Greg Stephan here, host of the Good Day Radio program. You're listening to Niagara County's information station, Lockport. The following is a paid program. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. All views or opinions expressed are solely the responsibility of the sponsored. The host and guests do not reflect that of this station, ownership, management, or staff. This station does not endorse or support any claims made. The content of this program is provided for educational and informational purposes. It is strictly up to the listener to accept or reject what is presented. Thank you for listening. Mr. Connor is a registered representative and managing principal with Connor Wealth Management. Securities offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA, SIPC. Opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, its guests, and callers, and not those of WLDL, its management, staff, or sponsors. Nothing contained in this program should be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell a security, and if applicable, only after the prospectus has been read and understood by the customer. These decisions can only be made after consideration of an investor's investment objective and the investment suitability. Well, now that we have all of the disclaimers over with, <laughs> today is Friday, August 18th, 2023, and uh, you're listening to Ask the Pro here on WLVL, and our guest this morning is Mr. Eric Connor from Connor Wealth Management. Good morning, Mr. Connor. Good morning. How are you? I am well. Thank you. I've been, uh, of course, the headlines in the news all day long has been uh, the passing of Mr. Rick Jennerette. And uh, it's been quite a topic of conversation. I know you're quite a sports guy. You're a hockey guy. And uh, I understand you had occasion to to meet and converse with him. Yeah, Rick, uh, he was, uh, you know, kind of the the uh, uh, voice of my childhood as sports would go. You know, years ago, listening to the transistor radio, going to bed and hearing him yell out names like Phil, you know, for Phil Housley or John Van Boxmere and that sort of thing. And he was in town uh, back in May for the Howl Motors Hockey Hall of Fame over at the uh, Cornerstone Credit Union Ice Arena. And uh, before the event started, he was sitting down at a table, not getting... um, uh, inundated with requests in the moment, and I uh, was able to take my oldest child over to him, who uh, you know, at twenty-one, still still my kid, and uh, we got our pictures taken with RJ, and stood there and talked to him for five or six minutes, cracked a couple of jokes, and uh, you know, told him how much. We appreciated all of his calls over the year. Let him know that we did make it to RJ Night up at the arena uh, last April. Right. And uh, that uh, – I've gone to some pretty cool hockey games over the years. Um, some playoff games, some um, some interesting times. Uh, and But the emotion of RJ Night was – really off the charts it was a really really cool night to be in the arena and then a year later to follow it up getting to talk to him and get a picture with him that was it was really cool so um sad day having him pass um and and of course having uh sort of the um emotion of him never having the chance to call a um, a Stanley Cup championship. 
You know, he yes. we got to the finals twice oh, and know. we won some games, but we never got to hear him declare us Stanley Cup champions. That is just heartbreaking, it isn't it? Is. 51 years and and you know he was he was an eternal optimist in that regard so <laughs> he sure was god love him uh we'll miss him i i said to my family last night i go well you know what this means and they're like what i said means the sabers are gonna win the cup this year so hey there you go it's who knows good, you know it's an omen yeah bring i'll bring his optimism forward for us all and and maybe somehow this will be the year for the sabers well we can certainly hope that is the case we break this uh the buffalo curse or whatever it is you know we get so close and then the rug gets ripped out from underneath us and, yeah yeah but yet the buffalo has the greatest fan base of anybody in the nation I think we do a pretty darn good job, don't I'm, we? I'm convinced of it. You know, Win, lose, or fail. Buffalo fans love their teams. They love the Bills. They love the Sabres, the Bisons, you name it. They're, they're hardcore. Yeah. No question yeah. about it. I mean, who else goes around breaking tables and stuff? Yeah, I can I just total digression for a second. Paul McGuire used to have a, a talk show on Empire Sports Network back uh-huh. in the day. And Paul McGuire was a punter for the Bills back in the 60s. I think he was like a backup linebacker as well, but he was a punter. And uh, he he would tell a story about uh, playing at the old rock pile, which, for those that don't know, I mean, it really was in the city of Buffalo. Right. You know, no Orchard Park business. It was in the city. And uh, there was this one game where the kicker, I don't know what his name is. It doesn't matter. The, the story's sort of funny anyway. Um, the kicker had missed a field goal and maybe an extra point, and the team lost by like two points. And that guy was walking home after the game. <laughs> and some some fans were recognizing him, and they got out and they gave him a piece of their mind about how how he should be unemployed and, and he shouldn't he shouldn't be on the team and wow. you know, and Paul always laughed about it and then uh, apparently the punchline to it all is when uh, when when the story came out and and the kicker was asked about it he's like yeah I'd, I'd be a, I probably would have done the same thing you know. <laughs> So but how the times have changed. He's walking home in the city of Buffalo yeah. after a major league football game. Yeah, he he l- apparently lived so close to the stadium that he just walked home. Yeah, isn't that something crazy? Crazy, uh, uh, fifty-five year difference or so. Yes, uh, never never would happen quite the same way today. No, we we definitely would have to get in our fancy sports car and uh, yeah <laughs> do that. But you know it's. Times they have a changed. They sure they? have. They sure have. But uh, you know, we uh, RJ started in 1971, right? And uh, like, it's just fascinating to be able. He was at the top of his game all the way to the end. You know, he was rarely goofing up a name, rarely making a mistake in, in terms of who had the puck or who scored the goal. And yeah. his seats, you know, the press box is not close. No, it's way up there. And, like, he he did fantastic. I, that's one of the things I was always impressed with. Not only did his voice age incredibly well, um, but his his actual ability to, 
to announce the game with very few errors. Yeah, and he knew all of those European names and all the, you know, the Russians and the Czechs and the French guys. Yeah, he knew yeah. how to say their names. He knew their their background, their history. You know, if if, if there's a lull in the game. He would talk about the player that has the puck at that moment. Yeah. And then if the puck goes to some other player, he'd talk about that player for a little while. And uh, he just he just knew it all. He was a yeah. walking statistical <laughs> genius, I suppose. He was great. He was, was great. Well, speaking of statistics, looks like the Dow is down and NASDAQ is up, last I checked. Uh, we're, we're down on both sides uh, right now. Oh, NASDAQ. Uh, okay. uh, NASDAQ um, yeah, Kind of, we're we're in what you might call the summer lulls or the summer doldrums. Uh-huh. Um, so you got a little bit of an absence of earnings news right now. A little uh, scuttlebutt about you know people being worried about uh, interest rates continuing to head a little higher or um, talk about inflation maybe staying up a little bit. Although I will point out, it's trended lower just like i said it would trend lower for the last 10 months um and so i think there are moments in the in the stock market where whatever the little trend is it'll Mm -hmm. just kind of stay that way until you start getting real news to come out right and um we we seem to be in that kind of era so we've had i think about two or three or four, depending on the Dow or the NASDAQ, two weeks or three weeks or four weeks of a little bit of weakening. Um, At this point, it's nothing to really get concerned with. Interest rates have moved up a little bit. The 10-year is at its highest rate in, I don't know, something like 14 years or 15 years. Uh, and then there's some scuttlebutt about the the relative amount of average mortgage rates being the highest in 20 years. And I would say, yeah, it's all something to pay attention to. But, you know, is it dramatically that different here on August the 18th compared to what it was on July the 18th? No, it, it hasn't really changed. But there's a lack of news. And so, you know, people got to talk about something. So they're talking interest rates in the moment. Right. And the feds are talking about raising them again, right? Yeah, they've they've foreshadowed the idea that they would uh, probably have one more raise between now and year end. Uh, I had said the last time that I was here two weeks ago, I said, I'm not so sure that's really going to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get occasional um, um, meetings where the Fed governors can come out and make some statements. And so uh, since two weeks ago, there have been, I think, two different Fed governors who talked about the idea of like, well, the, you know, inflation's still above the trend and we might have to keep raising rates. Um, one of those people was Neil Kashkari. I think that's how to pronounce his name the right way. He's a Fed governor out of the Midwest. Um, Seriously, his name is Kashkari? Yeah, with K's. <laughs> with K's. Okay. Um, and he tends to be what you would call a hawk, meaning he is very um, willing to keep raising rates in the in the act as an action to fight these numbers. It doesn't mean though that he's actually got 
the opinion. It doesn't mean he shares the same opinion as everyone else on the Federal Reserve, but he's known to be a, an interest rate and inflation hawk in that way. So we'll see. There's ongoing discussion uh, as to how all that maneuvering will still impact the banking sector, as we know and talked about here. Um, we had we had a couple of bank failures back in March. We've had some stress in the system. Uh, I have talked how you know it doesn't really relate to the banks we have around here. They've been in relatively great shape. Um, with just little minor hiccups of an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's kind of a general feeling of uneasiness with what will happen to the banking system if rates continue to be so inverted, meaning high short-term rates where longer rates are lower than the short-term rate. That situation becomes a a funding problem for banks, right? If they're going to pay us a high interest rate on, say, CDs, relatively high interest rate on CDs, and they can't loan the money out at a high enough rate above that, they have a funding problem, right? They, they They need to loan it out for more money than they're paying us. Right. And if they... But it's even a problem if they take in too much money and can't loan enough out. So there's a bit of a concern within the uh, rating agencies and the country uh, economists that worry that we're creating a little bit of weakness in the banking sector. And, And that kind of weakness often carries forward into lower um, loan demand, which then works our way to slower economic growth. Right. And people are, how was it put one time, they're kind of trapped in their own house because they have their set interest rate. And if they sell their house and buy another house, they're going to be going to an interest rate that is double. Double that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking to a gentleman the other day who just purchased a house and he, he ended up purchasing a new house instead of a used house because he could get a lower interest rate from the builder yep. than he could from a mortgage company. So it, it's, it's, it's kind of a pickle, isn't it, in a, yeah. in, a, in a way? but The housing market is really interesting because absolutely, it, it, one phrase we throw around for various uh, conditions, but it's true in the housing market, it's a bit of golden handcuffs. If you're sitting in a house where you've have that mortgage and you're down at three percent or three and an eighth or three and a quarter you're not anxious to give up that mortgage because if you bought into a different house you'd be at seven percent right now so what what you were just talking about is um, an imbalance in the current loan market and what that is is that the the actual builder of the home, and there is a local builder who advertises in the paper, and I see the the ads where they will get you into a brand new home right now at four and a half percent interest. Right. And <clears throat> if the alternative is that you go into a secondhand home, right? Could be a wonderful home, could be beautiful but that your mortgage rate would be around 7%, 
all you got to do is look at those numbers on paper and realize it's a lot better deal to just get that new home through that lender at four and a half percent. It's financially better for you. You may not love the neighborhood as much, may not be in the school district that you want, but financially it might be a lot easier to get into that home because it's a four and a half percent mortgage. So what we have in the housing market, we still have a tremendous undersupply of homes. And that's back to your point of people that are in their home with a really low interest rate. They're not putting those homes up for sale very often right? because they can't effectively swap into a new home. They would be paying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars additional for the comparable home just because the new mortgage rate would be so high. Right. So, okay. So the home price doesn't have anything to do with it. It's the interest rate that's. It really is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. W- across the country, the one piece of info that's out there that's really interesting is there is a really high percentage of home sales that are on an all cash basis. So it doesn't matter what the mortgage rate is because they're just paying cash. That's not really the environment we have around Western New York. Right. Or isn't there some big companies that are buying up a lot of homes and renting them out? Exactly. You've got a lot of um, what you could sort of call uh, corporate buyers or um, there's another term that's escaping me right now, uh, where what they're doing in a lot of the Sunbelt cities, they are trying – these uh, pools of money are buying large amounts of single-family homes with the idea of then renting them out. And so for anyone who tries to um, just head down to Florida and stay in the, the uh, wintertime months, you know, right. they're snowbirds but without actually owning the home, what they're finding is that the monthly rent has gone 50%, 70%, 80% higher over the last three or four years. And it's really, really, really remarkable. Um, And part of that change has nothing to do with regular old inflation. It has to do with the absence of supply and how that market is now geared towards those big – instead of it being a mom-and-pop rental market, it's now geared towards corporations that are really trying to make a buck off of the single-family rental situation. Even if it's a condo um, you know, in Sarasota or Bradenton or something like that, there are lots of those places that are no longer – being rented by um you know family when they're not there and they rent you know they might rent the place out for a couple of months and try to recoup some of their money it's now institutional buyers right and so it's a different environment in that regard and so you've had that inflation uh of of that that price inflation and it's detached from the rest of the economy it's it's kind of because of the way that market has evolved that's much more prevalent down south in the communities where there is an 
influx of uh, population, even if that influx is only temporary, meaning the wintertime months. So they're basically just trying to take advantage of, of the fact that there is a short, relative shortage of supply and then they can magnify their profit margin through renting it out in that way. Thank you. That's well put. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Ask the Pro here on WLVL 1340 AM, also on WLVL.com. And so if you miss any of the great programming here, uh, you can go to WLVL.com, pick the podcast button, and listen to any one of Mr. Connor's uh, programs here that we, he's ever had on the air. I think it goes all the way back to probably the beginning because our IT guy is very thorough that way. <laughs> but uh, if you would like to have a consultation with him, he is located at 5860 Snyder Drive here in the city of Lockport. And his phone number at his office is 439-1143. That's 439-1143, connorwealth.com. But if you would like to get in on today's conversation, have any questions, comments, thoughts, or concerns, please feel free to call us right now at 433 433- one four three three four three three one four three three is the number you can get through, and you can ask him about anything to do with your financial health because that's why he is here is to uh, to help everybody make sure that their retirement is where it needs to be, and to make sure that you are healthy, wealthy, and wise. You do all three of them, Eric. No small challenge. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but challenge accepted. That's right. That's right. Yep. All right. So uh, I guess. Uh, I, I, the question that I think is on some people's mind is how can inflation be getting better with the gas prices and the grocery prices that we have? I mean, the layman, the blue-collar guy like me says, I don't care what the numbers say. I'm paying almost $4 a gallon for gas, and, and a $20 bag of groceries now costing me $40. Uh, that's that's the that's my thought, you know, and, and a lot of people are saying the same thing. So how does that relate to what the numbers are crunching that says the opposite. Yeah, so uh, as we know with oil and gas, there's an ebb and flow. And so we had had a tremendous period of time. I think it went something like nine straight months where the barrel of oil was cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And at this point, we've reversed that. Um, And so we've had a little bit of strengthening to that. Now, having sort of lived this for a long time in watching the market, I would tell you that part of that simply is that we're in the summer season where you start having hurricanes come into the picture and you start to have a little bit of stress that creates higher prices. And what I'll I'll sort of back that up by saying it doesn't necessarily – equal reality. So just uh, two days ago, I read that we had gotten to where we were back to record oil production in this country. Our prior high had been March of 2020, just before the pandemic shutdowns happened, when, of course, then the demand for oil collapsed because no traveling or very little traveling. And with that, the oil companies would then shut in production, meaning they just stopped trying to produce oil out of those wells. So our prior record high, I believe, was 12.7 
million barrels a day in March of 2020. And we just hit that again. So we've gotten all the way back to that peak production. Now, in America, we utilize more than that. As as we all know, um, we're an incredible energy user. I think last I saw, we are still using something like 25% of the world's uh, oil and gasoline usage is in this country. And FYI, we do not have 25% of the world's population. So that would kind of show we use a lot of energy per person in this country. Ain't it cool? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's partially because we're a, we, we are a larger country. We are very much a car culture. Right. We're a transportation-based economy. Yep. And because of the length of uh, the different urban areas being spread out, that's partially how you get this energy usage, right? There's those old comments of, you know, you drive for an hour over in Europe and you've traveled through five different countries. That's right. Well, you know, <laughs> drive drive for eight hours across Texas and you're still in Texas. That's right. <laughs> so very, very different environment. So uh, I believe our current usage in the country is somewhere I want to say it's in the high 16 million barrels a day. So we, even with record high production for us, the fact is we still have some import issues, right? We got to bring in some foreign oil just because of the sheer quantity that we do right. use. And so the pricing gets gets a little wonky at times. And so that's where we're at right now, where there's a little bit of hurricane risk and there's a little bit of just the increased demand puts a little upward pressure on the oil side of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I know you asked about inflation in full. I'm going to have one digression because I just get a kick out of this, whatever this happens. It's your show. You can do anything you want. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Well, I don't want to leave you hanging because it's a good question. Okay. But I'm going to digress for just a second. There is Hurricane Hillary. Have you heard of Hurricane Hillary? Yeah, she's coming up by California. Yeah, it has nothing to do with Hillary Clinton. It's just Hurricane Hillary. Right. Crashing up from Mexico to attack California and potentially part of Nevada, which is That's crazy. interesting. Yeah. And, and what they're talking about is that it's going to be a rain event, not so much a wind event. Right. Okay. So – When hurricanes, how I just was talking about energy prices have this effect, that there's a little bit of hurricane risk. The other thing that happens basically every time, if you now look at the market movers where there's um, the percentage change for the day, they'll always have on websites the, the biggest gainers of the day and the biggest losers of the day. What's my computer saying as the big gainer for the day? Generac Holdings. Natural gas backup generators. Now, I laugh at it because for anyone that's had one installed, you don't snap your finger and get that thing installed. It doesn't happen at a moment's notice. No. But yet here we are with a weather report of Hurricane Hillary (laughs) bearing down on California. And what's the top mover? (laughs) 
is, or one of the top yeah. movers is the generator backup company. Yep. And, you know, to your point, one of my sponsors for Tradio is uh, Watts Brothers. And they sell Generac generators, and they tell everybody every time, get the generator now yep. because it'll be there when you need it. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and so uh, we had one installed, um, what are we at, last year? I don't think it's been more than that already. Uh, last year we had one installed, and we've had, I think, three power outages. It's worked fine. Mm-hmm. But it did take a while from the time I gave them the go-ahead to yeah. them actually showing up and doing the work. That's right. they got to pour a concrete pad to put it on. Well, that's going to dry. They've got to put piping in. And there's other people ahead of you. <laughs> you know, well, you've got to wait in line. Yeah. yeah. That. So I, I just wanted to digress because it it's sort of funny. The opposite weather event also happens so that when blizzards happen sometimes the companies that manufacture snow blowers and stuff they will suddenly be at the top of the market movers as sure. well and uh, again you just sort of laugh at it we're like okay well yeah it's a blizzard and mm-hmm. it i mean it's horrible um but i don't think that means that you're gonna go make your fortune by buying that stock today right. like your timing is probably off on that mm-hmm. You know, a, a great example of that and of capitalism is this genius goes to, I think it's Boyancy concerts, and he sells flip-flops because people are partying hard and their feet start to hurt because they're just out there partying this concrete floor. So yeah, ten, yeah, yeah. For, for a pair of flip-flops before the concert, 10 bucks. After the concert, they're 20 bucks. <laughs> That's fantastic. The guy's making a killing. Yeah. Supply and demand, because by the time the counter's done, people's feet are sore and they want something. 20 bucks a set of flip-flops, get you home. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. And you could have had them for 10, three, two That's hours right. ago, three hours ago. Could have had them for two if you went to the dollar store before <laughs> the show. Right. That's right. <laughs> so this, you know, that's, that, I just love, that's American capitalism right Yeah, now. yeah. Supply and demand, you know, get them now, get them later. You're going to get them one way or the other. Ooh, um we traveled to Washington, D.C. last year during spring break um, with my youngest. And the one thing that I loved in terms of capitalism, when you're just walking around the different monuments, we walked from the uh, Washington Memorial down the long walkway to the Lincoln Memorial. And there must have been at least a half a dozen people with a pull a, a, a wheelie cooler filled with ice water bottle uh, water bottles in ice, and they'd sell them to you for two bucks a piece because you were out in the middle of nowhere. In terms of there, there's no right. snack shack, and so you got this half mile walk or whatever it is, and they're very happy to sell you that water when their water's gone for the day. They made their money. They, they go made home. their money. They go home. Hey, we have a call. Fantastic. All right, let me uh, get the phone turned back on. Good morning, caller. You are on WLVO with Mr. Eric Connor from Connor Wealth Management. What is your thought, concept, or question, please? Well, first of all, gentlemen, great show today. I appreciate this every couple of weeks. Uh, two, I apologize. This is more of a statement or a question. You guys are both uh, public celebrities, so I apologize. But uh, <laughs> Eric, I was told that uh, <laughs> I was I was told that one of your kids was going to college, but not only. 
Uh, is it one of your kids? But uh, it might be your favorite kid that's going to college. Is that a true statement? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was. I was. I just want to make sure that you are doing okay, knowing that your favorite uh, favorite child is going to go away to college. So uh, I just want to wish you luck with that. And uh, it's been a great show today. <laughs> Thank it. you. Uh, Thanks, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a chop buster. Let me uh, let me give an answer. Let's see how I can say this. I love all my children. (laughs) And my middle child is quite the go-getter and handful because she is always involved in something. And that is the one going away to college, which the caller <laughs> certainly knows because she spent the night at his house last night. <laughs> uh, she's a great kid. She's and so we are we're taking middle child off to Stony Brook, uh, oh, nice. leaving on Monday, and um, there'll be some tears shed uh, as we as we say goodbye to Avery for her adventuring off to Stony Brook. Yeah, she's a great kid. I think Brian's still on the air, aren't you? Hello. Oh, maybe wow. he hung up. Okay, I, but I can't. I can't give them. I can't say she's my favorite because they're all great kids. They're all your favorite. In, they're all great kids in their own way. That's right. Yeah, they're all great kids. She's awesome. <laughs> she's awesome. That's fantastic. It is. Ladies and gentlemen, in between the chuckles um, and the information, you are listening to Ask the Pro here on WLVO 1340 AM, and you are welcome to call us at 433-1433. My guest today is Eric Connor from Connor Wealth Management, and he is located at 5860 Snyder Drive right here in the city of Lockport, and he would be happy to give you a consultation to discuss your financial health. All you'd have to do is call his office at 439 439- one one four three four three nine one one four three, Connorwealth dot com, but you can call the station right now, just like that last comedian did, and uh, <laughs> ask questions, talk about uh, finances, and, uh, and you know there's you know, a little more serious tone to things or not <laughs> by calling four three three, one four three, three. And I I should add, much like. WLVL has suffered at times with phone service that was not at 100%. That's a very kind way to put it. Yes. I, I want to be kind about it. Uh, Connor Wealth Management is currently suffering through occasional glitches in our phone system. Um, some, I, I'm pretty sure I know... Uh, we had there was a problem several months ago where the line down the road on Snyder Drive had a very small crack in the in the copper, and so we had some intermittent phone issues back in March, and we seem to be having the same kind of problem now. And so I won't throw them under the bus. The provider <laughs> is aware of it, and they it does usually take a little bit of. Um, effort on their part to narrow down where the actual problem is. You know, they don't want to, they're not going to strip out, say, four miles of cable when it's only a half an inch problem. So uh, for people that have called the office lately and have had a little bit of phone trouble, um, 
I apologize. We're, we're working on it, and uh, hopefully it gets resolved over the next few days. It's uh, unfortunately not oh, – it's not one of those things where they can just wave a wand and get it fixed. But um, we're up and running most of the time, but it's not at 100% right now. Put a little duct tape on. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I know here you guys would often have the trouble with, like, a really good rainstorm. That's right, yes. And um, ours does not seem to be related to moisture or precipitation mm-hmm. in that way. Um, so we've we've had a few calls where all of a sudden yeah. it just mm-hmm. stops working, and it's almost like one of us hung up on the other, <laughs> on the other person. So yeah. if, if anyone's had that issue calling the office, I apologize. We are aware of it, and we're trying to work with the provider to get that worked on, uh, get it fixed. Okay. All right, well, uh, let's see. Somebody called just as you had gotten out of the the rabbit hole of uh, talking about gas prices and things as such, and we were still discussing how how inflation technically is getting better, but um, according to the pocketbook, it is getting worse. Yeah, so uh, just kind of keep in mind how the – Consumer price index has a f- has several components to it, and what the government also has, aside from there being several components to it, they also have this stochastic something or other, and I won't remember. It's some economic term where basically they try to limit the rate of inflation through the idea that people will substitute one thing that's gone up for another item that has not gone up as much. So to your point of walking into the grocery store and being it and it being very obvious that certain things are more expensive than they were, um, you know, jokingly we have talked about the egg prices and how egg prices spiked and then have come back down, right? And so eggs are kind of back to normal. There was a lot of reasons that went into that avian flu and and whatnot, Mm -hmm. and the prices have now stabilized. I would say one thing that has elevated and I think will stay elevated is the price of milk, right? That is very noticeably higher. Yes. And for the dairy farmers, that is very good news. Sure it is. Because they have been impaired in their pricing for – Years, That's right. Years and years and years around here. I will sort of ballpark it and say probably a decade. Maybe it hasn't been quite that bad, but it's been years that they've been impaired. They've had to be subsidized, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because the, 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 they're selling it for less than what it costs to make it. Correct. They, and we got to have it. I'll, I will say one of the most impressive things I've learned over the last few years is how on top of the cost inputs dairy farmers are. They know how much it costs as the months go by, Mm -hmm. how much it's costing them to make. I think they sell it in 100-pound weight. I think that's how milk is priced for them. They know that they've been operating most of the time at a slight loss. And, And so for us... To have this elevated price at the grocery store, that is one category where I would say 
you know. I'm okay with it. I'm okay because it means that the dairy farmers who I think we would all say we are supportive of them. Right. And they do not need to be the the mega farms that we think of when we think out west. Um, A well-run dairy farm can be profitable around here if they can get enough money for the actual product they're Mm -hmm. selling. And so that's one area where I think we've seen some inflation, and I think it would fall into the good category. Right. Well, you know, look at the price of a gallon of diesel. <laughs> right. You know, it's yeah. the 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 input cost for not only the diesel fuel, but also the tractors themselves. Right. Right. They, yeah. Four hundred million dollars easy. Correct. The 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 price that John Deere and Agco and New Holland or whomever has been able to they've been able to raise the price of the actual equipment at a far faster rate than anything else in this economy i think mm-hmm. um yeah you're now looking at 250,000 and up for the big farm equipment right. that that we see yeah. all over Niagara County yes all yeah. over you got to sell a lot of product it's a lot of cabbage, baby. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, and, you know, it, it, it just strikes me out, you know, what does it cost to produce a gallon of diesel as compared to what it costs to produce a gallon of milk? And why is diesel more than milk? Because the process is, is so much simpler. And, I, I you know, the, the, those things just boggle my mind. But, uh, yeah. Lest I digress. Um, we're running down to the last five minutes here. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, you can still call with your questions, comments, thoughts, or concerns, 433-1433. Let's, uh, let's go back to the good news of, uh, of the markets are, are uh, kind of on a Friday, end of summer Friday, just not doing a whole lot is what I'm gathering here. Yeah, I think uh, I think we'll end up probably in the red by a little bit. I don't think there's a lot of... I don't think there's enough news to really push the market around. Um, you know, it pays a little bit of attention. As I said, the absence of information makes them pay attention to things that uh, they sort of don't want to mess around with. So inflation and interest rates are out there. Then they can worry about a hurricane. And then people will sort of try to digest what's happening with uh, Ukraine and Russia and how that affects things, right? So Russia has backed away from the, the grain deal that they had for Ukrainian export of wheat and sunflower products. And so that's going to hurt our inflation rate because worldwide the cost, the value of wheat is going to go higher. And there's a lot of um, – uh, there's a lot of production that Ukraine has that does move out to the rest of the world, the Middle East and Africa especially. So, you know, within the day, is it a little bit of just more pessimism than optimism? Yeah, I'd say probably in the moment that's what it is. Um, there's talk that over in Detroit there might be a strike at Ford and GM. Uh, I think that contract expires in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that idea of like, there's not a lot of news, but what news is out there tends to be a little more pessimistic than optimistic in the moment. And so that'll just create a little bit of softness. And then quite honestly, you've got some of those big tech names 
that have had a fantastic year, sort of out of nowhere, right? Like right. at the end of December last year, no one was predicting that Facebook was going to go up 150% or that NVIDIA was going to go up 200% or that Amazon was going to be up 50%, you know, and on and on. Right. So there's a lot of room that if people have made those gains – they might put those gains in their pocket by doing some selling. Totally reasonable. You know, if you've owned something for a few months and you've made 50% or 70%, totally reasonable that you might take some of that and shove it in your pocket. Right. Go go buy something. Yeah. Or keep the economy moving. Or just remove that level of risk. You know, like on a, just a, as a relative statement, like, hey, I made this money. I'm going to shove it in some T-bills and make... Five percent short-term money, and not worry about anything for two months or three months or you know however long you got the T bill for. So you know there's some of that. Um, I I think we probably won't get a real sense of the market direction until sometime into September. I wouldn't doubt. I mean it's the 18th of October, and I guess I'll just shrug my shoulders and say, eh, maybe it means we'll just kind of stay weak all the way through the end of the month or maybe through Labor Day or something like that. Um, maybe the market just needs to wait to see a little bit of more uh, interesting news, good news, good earnings, uh, maybe a merger announcement, something like that. Right, and that, that always goes back to your mainstay of just stay the course. Don't panic buy, don't panic sell. Yep. Just keep on keeping on. Yeah, and sometimes uh, this kind of middle of the road, slight decline becomes just where you stop and reevaluate anything. You know, maybe you just sort of get your bearings and say, well, you know, I've been leaning a little bit cautious. So maybe now's the time to put a little money to work. Just like I was saying, if, if you are lucky enough to have made a bunch of money on those seven tech stocks that did well, you might take some of that profit and make it a little more conservative the opposite can be true as well that you if you've been conservative maybe use this spot to move some money in right always good to re you know you want to reevaluate as time goes on right just keep things on and call eric connor to give to get the guidance that you need to there uh, you go and guidance and experience man you always want to have somebody that knows more than you that's what i do and you can call him at 439-1143, 439-1143 for Connor Wealth Management, located at 5860 Snyder Drive here in the city of Lockport. Thank you so much, Eric, for joining us today. I look forward to seeing you in uh, three weeks, I think. Yeah, that's what it would be, yes. into September. Yes, sir. Back to school. Oh, my goodness. Whole brand new can of beans then, huh? <laughs> Final thoughts? Take care, everybody. All right. We'll see you soon.